Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Talk Recorded live. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Talking Twilight Zone. I told him it's all over, it's finished, it's done, it's complete. If you leave us alone, if there's any leaving alone to do, I'll do it, pal. You mean you little bastard, I want to kill you. Are you going to kill me again? You get out of my life, I'll kill you. Welcome to my breakdown. That's just the way we are when we calm down. Hello. I'm the doctor. We're going to die here. Well, they certainly didn't mention that in the brochure. We sweat and laugh and scream here Cause life is just a dream here You know inside you feel right at home Didn't you forget someone? Didn't you forget Willie? Yeah, welcome to this door with the click of a mouse. Beyond it is a world of sound, thought, and opinion. In-depth discussions of television's greatest blending of science, superstition, imagination. And you're invited along. The next will be Talking Twilight Zone. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Talking Twilight Zone. I'm your host, Lynn, and I am here with my co-hosts, Bobby and Robert and Dave, and we have our loyal guest, Bear Fan Ron. Good to see you, Ron. And uh, it's just a beautiful day here in Pennsylvania, and I'm hoping that it's a nice day wherever anyone is who's listening in and joining us. And we are talking today about uh, an episode called The Dummy from season four. And before we start... Oh, by the way, I met this lady on a broad street. Get it? Broad street. (laughs) It was a broad (laughs) street. (laughs) Well, you know what, Robert? I'm going to give you the chance to give us an opening clip here. (laughs) Okay, now what I'll do, I'll play this while drinking water. Yes, please. Let's see if that'll work. (laughs) (laughs) And now, Mr. Serling. You did admit that you were superstitious now, didn't you? Well, on occasion, yes. But you don't throw salt over your shoulders or cross your fingers or anything like that. No, I knock on wood. Well, you did it again! Wait a minute, no, wait a minute. I resign. From now on, I'm a single. As for you, you can turn in your lap! Uh, why, Willie, uh, in the first place, what would you do without me? Well, for one thing, I could be a better ventriloquist. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Watch this. A funny thing happened to me on my way over to the club tonight. Is that a fact? What happened, Blockhead? I was out in front of the Ritz Savoy. That's where I live. Out in front of the Ritz Savoy. You 
of formaldehyde in those jokes? Well, something must deserve them. You're watching a ventriloquist named Jerry Etherson, a voice thrower par excellence. His alter ego sitting atop his lap is a brass stick of kindling with the sobriquet Willie. In a moment, Mr. Etherson and his naughty pine partner will be booked into one of the out-of-the-way bistros, that small, dark, intimate place known as the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and I was at the Ritz of Boy. Get it? Ritz of Boy? I I never... Yeah, does anyone even understand what that is supposed to mean? I mean, why that's supposed to be funny? Unless it's a statue in front of a hotel named Ritz of Boy. Well, they are going to understand from yeah, that. I mean, I, I just don't get it. I, I never got that that joke. But anyway, well, you know, the episode opens with ventriloquist Jerry Etherson and this dummy Willie in the middle of one of his acts and somewhere, I guess, in New York City. And then after the act, uh, Jerry goes back to his dressing room and he begins to drink from a liquor bottle that he that he had hidden in his drawer. And then his agent Frank comes in and he's upset that Jerry is drinking. And uh, I guess he had a drinking problem in the past. And uh, Jerry tells Frank that Willie the dummy is alive and he talks to him. And Jerry tells Frank that he, you know, he's at the mercy of the dummy. So Frank doesn't believe him and he thinks he might need some psychiatric help. So Jerry decides that he's going to perform with a different dummy named Goofy Goggles. And he's going to do that for his next act and all future acts. So he locks Willie in a trunk. So after the second act, which is good, but not as successful as the ones with Willie, his agent tells him that he's quitting. And Jerry says, well, that's fine, because he's leaving to go to Kansas City so he can get away from Willie. Frank tells him it doesn't matter where he goes, because he'll still have this delusion if he doesn't deal with it here and now. So then while Jerry is standing outside of the back door of the theater with uh, the goofy, uh, what is it, goofy goggles, goofy goggles dummy, uh, he hears Willie's voice taunting him. You know, he's just teasing him and yelling things out to him. And Jerry sees Willie's shadow, and he continues to hear his voice until a coworker from the theater walks up and asks if anything's wrong. So Jerry's all freaked out, you know, and, and he invites her to get a drink. But he's so nervous and, and freaked out that he starts grabbing at her to make her stay, which, of course, causes her to get scared and run away. She's frightened. So as soon as she leaves, Jerry hears Willie's voice again. So he runs back in the theater. He goes into the dark dressing room, opens the trunk, and throws the dummy on the floor, brutally smashing it. But when he turns on the light, he realizes that he destroyed Goofy Goggles instead of Willie. And then Goofy was what he's going to use in his future act. So uh, he can't understand how he could have destroyed the wrong one. But it was dark, you understand. So I, I guess that's how. Uh, but Jerry uh, asks, you know, he asks Willie, how can you be alive when you're made out of wood. And Willie tells him that it was he, Jerry, who made him alive. So finally, Jerry realizes the truth. He knows that he's at Willie's mercy. And Willie starts cackling and laughing. And Jerry is just basically on his knees in front of him. So then the scene cuts to a stage in Kansas City, announcing that the next act will be Jerry and Willie. And we see the beginning of the act from the back of the man who walks out. And as the camera rotates to the front, it reveals that the man is actually, the man, the real man is actually Willie, and he's holding a dummy that looks just like Jerry. And the blue <laughs> fairy came along and made him a real life boy. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, Geppetto, yeah, Geppetto and Pinocchio, yes. Well, unfortunately, the dummy has never been among my favorite Twilight and episodes, and it has nothing to do with the acting. Cliff Robertson, Frank Sutton, the rest of the cast, they gave fine enough performances. They really were very good. But I think the main problem for me with this episode is that I found it to be just boring. It bored me. Um, And I also found Willie the Dummy not only to be annoying, but downright ugly. I mean, it was an ugly, ugly, ugly dummy. I can't imagine a ventriloquist you know, a, a real professional ventriloquist going on stage with a dummy that's that ugly. I mean, he's just downright offensive looking. But uh, I know some some people find the story creepy and chilling, and I'll admit that one or two scenes are creepy. Uh, the shadow silhouette of Willie sitting in the chair out in the back of the theater and, and the scene where 
Jerry tries to bash him with his head only to find out that he destroyed uh, Goofy Goggles instead. But that's not enough to keep me intrigued. The way I see it is if Jerry had such a complex about Willie, he simply should have turned him into fireplace kindling or sent him to a good wood chipper machine. I mean, the dummy scared the crap out of Jerry, but so why was he going on stage with him night after night? I mean, no amount of money is worth that kind of mental anguish, but you have to wonder just how much this little hole in the wall club was paying him. Couldn't have been much, not for not for what he was going through. But the well, scene it was really... all mental control, too, Lynn, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, because I mean, can you imagine that little hole in the wall paying much money? I mean, mm-hmm. such for an act like his. But, you know, I think I think the scene that really annoyed me was um, the one where he was talking to the, the chorus girl and trying to get her to stick around with him. I mean, did he really think that acting like a maniac and pawing at her was going to make that happen? I don't think any anyone in their right mind would would stay with him. I mean, any woman would have fled from him just just like she did. He's grabbing at her and saying, "No, no, I, 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 I just want to have a drink with you." And he's grabbing at her at her clothes and pulling at her. I don't know, but you know that that scene really annoyed the hell out of me. I'm thinking this guy doesn't want to be alone, but he's not doing much to get any company. But I, I like Cliff Robertson. I really do. I thought he was a very good actor um, for his uh, in his time, and uh, I liked him much better in. Um, one yard, uh, one hundred yards over the rim. Uh, the other Twilight Zone episode from what is it, season one or two? I forget. But uh, I liked him in that much, much better. And of course, everyone, most people know he went on to play John F. Kennedy in the film PT One Hundred Nine, and he won an Academy Award for Best Actor in nineteen sixty eight for his role in the film Charlie. So Robertson, he's, he's a fine actor. Uh, just uh, this was a lousy episode and. You know, I think if it had been something better, he I I would have appreciated it more. Uh, Frank Sutton, we all know, went on who played his uh, agent Frank. He didn't change his name for the episode. Uh, he went on to be the well-known uh, Sergeant Carter in the popular TV series uh, or sitcom, I should say, sitcom Gomer Pyle, USMC. So, but with all all due respect to Cliff Robertson and Frank Sutton. I cannot rate this higher than the one for poor. I really hated it. And and I agree with Bear Fan Ron, lousy, lousy ending. Um, and, and he says, yeah, the acting was good as well. But, yeah, lousy ending. I agree with that. Uh, and, and, uh, that $4 room episode again with the mirror and all. Yeah. For it's yes. with the dummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Ron asked something earlier about, you know, how did they do the transition from – from the dummy and the, you know, from uh, Willie becoming the man and Jerry becoming the dummy. They really don't show you how, it's kind of like, you just have to assume the suspension of disbelief kind of thing. Um, but <laughs> I'm just looking at something wrong. <laughs> I asked how much he was paying, they were paying him to do the show at the nightclub and Ron said, I bet more than Bobby is paying you for doing this show. <laughs> You're funny, Rob. Oh, God. Thanks, Rob, for that laugh. All right, I'm turning this out for because now I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Bobby, oh, Bobby, you paying me to do this show. Not enough. Yeah. Bag of oh. peanuts? Yeah, yeah. Bag, bag, exactly. Bag of, bag of pistachio nuts. <laughs> All right, Robert. Oh, and I welcome uh, WordForge. Thank you, WordForge, for stopping in. Good to see you here. Unfortunately, I feel the same way about this episode, too. Very boring. Uh, the nice thing is to know what other things spring from this seed, so to say, down the road. Um, very much, you know, felt like magic, the movie. Unfortunately, it's not the movie. It's dummy. And, of course... The movie Magic was a lot better because one of our alumni, Burgess Meredith, um, was in that movie, played the manager, and Anthony Hopkins played um, Corky, um, who was the uh, puppeteer in that one, and very much that was psychological drama where um, we have you know the man and his dummy in that one, but unfortunately that one is a lot better than this one was yeah yeah i agree with you 
When your heart begins to pound, when your mind begins to go, keep telling yourself it's only a movie. You do magic too? Corky does magic. I only do tricks. There's never been a magician like me. How long you been like this, kid? You never really told why you were here. Hiding. Wasn't that cheap in New York? You want success, but you're afraid of it. I figured I'd stop by here and ask you folks about you. I'm not afraid. Where were you living? What city? How many kids? I'm not afraid. I never expected to find you. I've loved you all my damn life. I won't be here! Hey. I was afraid of success. Like you said, I needed to get my hair on straight. And now you're fine? Sure, on account of Peg. I've known her ever since high school. I never figured I'd have a chance with her. Peg Yance, no, Peg Yance, no, please. Let me follow wherever you go. But you may take her. I love Peg. Just the two of us. Now everything's changed. She believes me. A man appears after 15 years. Says run away with me. Don't kill her. Oh, please, don't kill her. No, I can't do it! I won't do it, you can't me! A terrifying love story. Joseph E. Levine presents Magic, starring Anthony Hopkins, Anne Margaret, Burgess Meredith, Ed Lauder. Distributed by 20th Century Fox. Yeah, Craig Robinson. I like Craig Robinson. Um, um, the latest, I think the last role he did was maybe Escape from L.A., where he played the president in that one. He might have done a, a few others before that, but uh, he's, he's good. He's good for playing presidents. He has that look. You know, he has that 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 presidential type look about him. You know, very distinguished kind of thing. Yeah, very much an actor. You could say that about his Martin Sheen as well. Yeah, they have that executive that executive air about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seven years he played on West Wing, and Martin Sheen did. But. Yeah. I and then that um, King movie. Um, um, the Dead Zone. Machine mm-hmm. was in that one. Yeah, I love him. I think it's great. It, it's they. I think when they reviewed this episode, they'd seen how bad it was, and so they decided to try to make it more, you know, make his character more psychotic in this one. You know, let's throw a sure girl at him and see if that helps. No, no, you know, and he's mm-hmm. just in his own hell. I can see the situation of why. You know, it was just out of desperation just to have, you know, someone else around. But he was just so far down the road. Um, you know, Pat Cell was the next thing coming up for for him, unfortunately. But as I mentioned to Lynn, this is very much a takeoff of the man in the $4 room where um, not only do we um, switch personalities, but we also switch bodies at, as well at the the end of this episode. And as I mentioned, there's other um, shows and uh, movies that did a much better job of this top premise. Um, on the opening uh, clip, you heard um, one from um, Friday the 13th series, which is um, Read My Lips, Season 2, Episode 34. And um, that one is kind of an interesting episode where uh, the... Uh, dummy is casually being brought back to life by a cursed object. I won't say what that object is. Um, But it is a very creepy and scary episode. But I'll go ahead and play the the trailer for that one. It's showtime. And they really knock him dead on Friday the 13th. Dead body found in an alley. This is one dummy with a mind of his own. Don't we have something better to do? A mind for murder. This is more than a coincidence. He's a tough act to follow, if you survive. What are you so scared of? It's just a wooden dummy. Terror comes to life. <coughs> and you can't hide on Friday the 13th, the series. Next week, take a stab at fear. And that's for that one there. Also, opening clip, I played a little bit from Doctor Who. That episode was The God Complex. Um, episode 11, series 6, where uh, 
the doctor and his companions, Amy and Rory, end up in kind of like this hotel from um, The Shining situation. And um, they step into a room where this one guy's having a nightmare of all these dummies sitting around these tables in there laughing and stuff. And that was the clip from that one. Um, that is a very good one as well. If um, nobody has catched Series 6, go ahead and catch that. That's towards the end of the series. What, 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 one, which series? I'm sorry, which series? Series 6. It's the previous one before this one. Oh, right oh now gotcha. we got okay. Yeah, we got Series 7 going right now, which is, uh, I think tonight's episode is The Reign of Akatar, Akatan, however we pronounce that um but yeah i kind of like that one like i said it very much had um reminders of the shining um in that episode so it's um episode 11 if nobody ever wants to catch it and also as i was going to say today i got one of his favorite um trailer from a show he likes called buffy the vampire slayer and they um did an episode in series one called The Puppet Show. And it was very much a talent show that was going on at the school and Buffy and the rest of the gang with Tease and Giles. And because of that, the principal put them in the talent show. But one of the um, talent show people in there was a ventriloquist who had a dummy. And there was murders going on in the high school and they were all looking towards Dummy is doing the murder, so that's huh. another another one that. to watch. Yeah, you'll have to catch it. It's season one. The nice thing about season one is there's not a lot of episodes. I think there's only 13 episodes of season one, and it's towards the end. It's episode nine or ten, depending on if they count the pilot in um, episode order in that one. But um, here's a clip. For that. Is anybody there? I don't know. I'm <laughs> Someone's playing a very deadly game. It could be anyone. This to me says demon. I can't go out there. You can't stop it. You will find this murderer. You can't kill it. There's something there. Because it's not even alive. And I'll move Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So if anybody ever gets a chance to catch it, it's kind of an entertaining... And the funny part is at the end of the episode is hilarious where you get um, Buffy and Willow and um, um, the, um, shoot, I forgot his name already. It's uh, Xander trying to quote, yeah, trying to quote a um, line from Shakespeare. So it's kind of a nice little funny thing. It's on the DVD. I'm not sure if it got cut in the original airing or not, but. And finally, a famous that a lot of people remember. And um, this one is um, Edgar Bergman and Charlie McCartney. And we remember one of the McCarthy. most McCarthy, one of the most popular of um, the ventriloquists, early ventriloquists. And um, with this clip, they'd they be thinking that it was Paul McCartney's father, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, there's a very famous um, daughter that comes out on stage. And listen to the voice and see if you can recognize it. Now it's our pleasure to present the most famous ventriloquist the world has ever known and his equally famous piece of pine. Ladies and gentlemen, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Well, Charlie, old boy, we, we certainly have lived, haven't we? What did you say? Speak into my hearing aid, you fool. <laughs> I say we've certainly lived. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But not lately. <laughs> Aren't you a little old to be wearing an Ivy League cap? Well, it's no sillier than you wearing that top hat all the time. <laughs> the air conditioning all right. Charlie, there's a cutie coming down the street. Yeah, if I have my teeth with me, I'd whistle. 
and Edgar and Charlie. <laughs> what are you boys doing tonight? Painting the town? Well, we'd like to, but Bergen is all out of painting. <laughs> <laughs> How about you and me going dancing? Great idea. We can do the Watusi. Yeah. See we... you later, Charlie. Yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> She's a wonderful girl. Yes. When I see a pretty girl like that, uh, makes me think that I should get married. Married? Yes. Aren't you buying a saddle after the horses in the glue factory? <laughs> and does anybody recognize the voice of the young lady? Candace uh, Bergen. Yep. She was 18 years old at that time. <clears throat> yep. She was, she was the daughter. Mm-hmm. So very much a dull and un- uh, uninteresting... Inter- I can't even pronounce it. Uninteresting story. A one out of five for me for this one. Same here. Okay, Bobby. Oh, really? It's my turn? This is one of those times where I wish somebody else would throw their voice and talk for me, so I didn't have to do this. (laughs) Um, Anyway, as I mentioned in my review on the board, I bring a lot of prejudice to this because I never liked ventriloquism to begin with. Even when I was a kid, I didn't like it. I never thought it was particularly funny. Or I was never all that really impressed with it, even though there was a lot of it in my day when I was young, especially on the Ed Sullivan show. There used to be ventriloquists who would come on there. <clears throat> but I never really liked them at all. They didn't scare me or anything, but I just I didn't see what the great uh, the great thrill was to see them. And uh, right now I'm at uh, Wikipedia, which lists uh, uh, famous ventriloquists throughout the years. And, of course, Robert already mentioned uh, Edgar Bergen, but there are a lot of other ones. They're not all. They're not all ventriloquists. Some are uh, puppeteers, like uh, Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop, and um, Willie oh, Tyler. I love Lamb Chop. I love and, Lamb Chop. Willie Tyler and Lester, um, Paul Winchell and Jerry Mahoney, and a, and a uh, and a dummy named Knucklehead Snuff Smith, which I think looked a lot like the uh, the the, pup, the dummy in this episode, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, so there have been a lot of them over the years, but it's kind of, uh, oh, there was Waylon Flowers and Madam, mm-hmm. and there have been a lot of them oh, over yeah. the years, but it's kind of a lost art. You really don't see that anywhere anymore. So well, I Jeff would Durham up to today is one also. Which, Which one? Jeff Dur- Durham. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was Jimmy Nelson with Farfel the Dog, and... Uh, <laughs> Ones like that, and uh, anyway, oh, and Robert Smigel would triumph the insult comic dog. I rather liked that one, actually. <laughs> so I didn't. I was never impressed by ventriloquists to begin with, and I think that the uh, the real dummies in this story are the idiots in that club who are sitting there watching this act and laughing their behinds off. I don't know what they're laughing at, because there's, there's certainly nothing funny about the episode at all. Uh, I think I, I, I think the the ending is pathetic. I mean, you know this is where it's going, and of course, over the internet movie database where they fall over in a dead faint over everything, it got seven point seven out of ten, and one person posted over there and said there is no way, and he puts it in capital letters, no way that anybody could possibly figure out the ending. And you've got to be kidding me. I mean, this was the only way for it to go. I thought it would have been a better ending, and a little more shocking if we found out. That all along the uh, the uh, dummy was running the whole act, and it was Cliff Robertson who was the dummy, rather than having change into him. Thought that might have been a little more of a of a, a trick ending, but as it is, there's just nothing going on here. It's just boring, and it's not the only thing. It seems to me that when they did this episode, they went to the prop department and had them create the ugliest, most grotesque dummy they could come up with. Oh. He is disgusting looking. Yeah, but the trouble with that is that there's no story behind it. It's all about that. So you look at it and go, ooh, that's disgusting. But is there a story to go with it? No, not really. There's just nothing there. So that's that's my big problem with it. I really don't uh, – I, I got nothing out of it. I watched it earlier today, and, and a few times I've seen it. have absolutely bored me to death. But I will say one thing about it. It probably did some good in the long run because there's a little bit of history made here. This may be the first time in which a a later story that's obviously copied off of this turns out to be a thousand times better, because in season five we have one of my all-time favorites, everybody loves it, and that's Living Doll. And that's an episode a lot like this, except it's, to put them in the same breath is almost the sacrilege. 
because that, of course, I think is one of the great episodes of all time. And this is just horrible. I think one of the reasons for that is that in Living Doll, the doll is threatening everybody, everybody who comes in contact with it. And here, the, the dummy is only threatening the guy who's uh, in the act with him, his owner. And so I, don't, I didn't really feel particularly threatened by it. I just thought to myself, even whether he's imagining it or it's really happening, you know, I, don't, I didn't feel any great uh, fear over it at all. So I think that's what's really missing from it. It's scary well, to look Bobby, at. Well, Bobby, the thing about this one is it's more Pinocchio situation yeah. as it, with Living Doll. It's more like the uh, Chucky situation we'll yeah, get exactly. later on with Charles Play, yeah. Right, right. If, if if a doll or a dummy or anything is threatening anybody who doesn't play his game along with it, that's a, that's a, that's going into another area. But to just have this guy sitting here losing his mind or whatever is really happening here, uh, I didn't find terribly impressive. So I've never been a Cliff Robertson fan, really. Although he certainly has a good has had a good career, he's still he's still around. By the way, he's 88 years old. He's still with us and. Uh, but he did. He should have. When he went over the rim in that other episode, he should have stayed there, and not uh, not decided to come back and do this because this is a real uh, a real embarrassment. I don't. Uh, I I gave it a one. I suppose the only reason I gave it a one is simply because I have to give some credit to Cliff Robertson for trying to do something with this. Because like I said in my review, the dummy gets all the best lines. He doesn't get any that are of any interest. It's just it's just it's just bad. And we on our last show we did the gift which was awful, and then we got this right after it. And I just wonder what I was thinking back then in the early '60s to see these bad ones one after another. You got to wonder where the where the you were thinking. The, well, there's nothing else on. Well, that's true. Back then you didn't have cable. I mean, you had like three or four channels, and that was it. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. Even the bad ones back then were better than than anything that uh, you know anything else. So, but. This is a lousy episode. It's best left forgotten. I gave it a one, and that's it. I can't. I can't do any more with that because there's just uh, there's nothing there. As for ventriloquism, I don't. I don't like it. And I always thought it was a joke to say somebody's throwing their voice because they're not throwing it anywhere. I mean, the dummy is sitting in his lap. So how far is that? <laughs> when I used to watch ventriloquists on Ed Sullivan and places like that, the only thing interesting about it was to see whether or not the ventriloquist could actually speak. Without moving his lips at all, that was about the biggest, the biggest best talent in there. Some of them were bad. Some of them really were bad. You yeah, some of them were pretty obvious, but there were some really, really good ones, like the ones I mentioned. Uh-huh. And uh, the thing is, there's just nothing funny there. I just, you know, going into a club and watching a ventriloquist, you you got to be kidding me. So I'll stay with one, uh, Cliff Robertson. He deserves something for it, but that's that's about as far as I can go. Lynn. Okay, Dave. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I thought there was more to it than that, uh, but I can see it's not—it's not a particularly likable episode uh, because of the content. It's one of those things that either it leaves you stone cold, or you're creeped out by it because you don't like things like dummies and and clowns and uh, those sort of things that that can, I think, be very, uh, very creepy in many ways. Just to mention for the recording, this is uh, season three, episode ninety-eight. First aired May the fourth, nineteen sixty-two. Uh, that's just putting it in the context of uh, when it actually was aired. And I actually, I didn't like it, but I rate it as quite a good episode. Uh, I didn't like it because it. Fe- I, 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 this is one of the episodes that I did watch very early on. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, for for when doing these podcasts, I do try and rewatch some. But I didn't re I didn't watch all of them originally. But this is definitely one of the ones I do remember being quite creeped about as as a younger person ages ago. And then I remember um, uh, there was a film that came on many years later, Anthony Hopkins, I think, um, playing um, Avengers. Yep. Yeah, uh, and I couldn't go and see that because uh, I still had you know thoughts about this particular one. So so in, in effect of it being an effective thing. I think it was good. I think uh, Cliff Robertson acting was was pretty good. We had the use of the mirrors, as was said. Um, throwing the voice. Well, he did do the throwing the voice a bit, a little bit, when the the girls came knocking on his dressing room door, and uh, they looked in, and the the dummy was across the room on the settee, uh, and the dummy was talking. But the way Cliff Robertson was looking at us, 
we were meant to think that he had no control over it at that point. He'd already lost. And, of course, they didn't show, like Lynn said, the switcheroo. But the whole point was that um, uh, the dummy was now the dominant party. It was a, it was a progression. And then they, they sort of um, jumped to basically the end game for that final reveal, which, of course, was supposedly the, the, uh, the sting in the tail for the whole story. Um, so all in all, I think of the telling the tale... It, it was effective. Um, I didn't think... I, well, I thought they could have made a better dummy. You're quite right about that. Um, uh, but I think it was maybe made ugly uh, to... to not. Sorry, let me say that sentence again. I don't think it was supposed to be ugly. I think it was supposed to be sinister. Uh, and I think that probably fell down. Of course, um, again, as Bobby says, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, and Lynn said, he's obviously not being paid a lot there. I mean, you can tell somebody's not being paid a lot when they do the set and then uh, his manager comes on and says, well, you can't quit now. You've got another set in 20 minutes. You know, if you're doing five sets a night, you know, they're not paying $100 a go, are they? They're, they're probably paying him 20 But In fact, <laughs> there was a clue in there, wasn't there? The... Um, this manager uh, said to him, or he said to his manager, you know, you know, he's spending all his money. It's costing him 20 whole dollars to see a psychiatrist for an hour. Yeah, try <laughs> 200 dollars uh, nowadays, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> That's cheaper than Bob Newhart wanted, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. And and of course, you do see dummies throw the voice, uh, uh, throw the when, when they like have them. Um, you know, they'll come off sometimes where they have it in a suitcase and, are you letting me out of here? Come down. Um, of course, TV killed off the ventriloquist art, didn't it? Because they just couldn't hide. Because even those that didn't move their lips, uh, there was this guttural movement, this um, movement in their, in their neck. Yeah, that, the throat, um, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Which, um, and I think that's why a lot of them actually used to wear a bow tie and very smart. Because uh, the bow tie wouldn't be a loose bow tie. It would be on um, uh, a really stiff plastic, a whalebone connection. So that when their throat moved up and down, the bow tie didn't. To give the illusion that their neck wasn't moving. Oh, I'm full of clever things like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, so I didn't particularly like it as an episode uh, I found it when I first watched it, quite difficult to watch. But not because I thought it was poor, but because I thought it was creepy. And I still think... Uh, well, I think uh, it, it's the main character's acting in this was pretty good. I mean, uh, why why he waited all this time to sort of uh, make a lunge at one of the girls? I don't know. I mean, he's been coming off stage. Every time he came off stage, first thing he saw was a lineup of pretty girls in n- not very much clothing. I mean... Um, it must well, have been rather... if you're drowned and you tried to grab for anything. Yes, but what I mean is, you would have thought, um, without being sort of uh, making a moral judgment, that somebody at a place like that, he'd have a regular squeeze, as it were, one of the chorus girls, wouldn't he? Yeah. You would have thought. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there you go. Um, so yes, I think I think it was a good episode. Uh, so I'm going to I'm inclined to give it. Um, well, I'm not going to give it a four, but I would see that some people could give it a four because of the the fact that it creeped them out a bit. So I'm going to give it a three out of five on that basis. But I, I, I must admit, it's, it's what we in the UK call the Marmite episode. Marmite episode. You either like Marmite or you can't stand the taste of it. Therefore, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those shows that, that will divide opinion quite strongly, I would have thought. Marmite. What is what is Marmite to people? Is that a vegetable? Type? It's like Vegemite. It's, it's, it's like it's, Vegemite. Uh, well, yeah, it's the animal version of Vegemite. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's like think of a very thick oxtail soup sort of thing. Uh, so it's very like concentrated uh, essence of like a very thick gravy, almost down to um, almost paste. a condensed a paste, congealed paste. Yeah, I love. I don't like it. Neon paste, something like that. Oh, yeah, you know what, though? You spread it very thinly on toast. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I've never tasted Marmite, but I love Vegemite. Absolutely love Vegemite. But the, 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 but like Dave just said, you have to spread it very thinly on a piece of bread or on a bagel or on something. You spread it thin, and then you put something on it like butter or cream cheese. 
You can't eat it by itself. Oh my God, you'll just drop dead if you eat it. But then you won't drop dead, but you'll you'll pass out <laughs> from the taste. I mean, the t- by itself, that's that's the weird thing. By itself, it is overwhelmingly bad. But if you mix it with something, and I'm talking about Vegemite now, not Marmite. If you mix it with something, oh my God, it's delicious. I love Vegemite. Now I don't know about Marmite. I'd like to try that. I I have a website where I can try that, and order. I want to order that. So you like that, Dave? Marmite. No, I don't. I don't particularly like it, but uh, I've only tried no? it a couple of times. Oh, all right. Well, maybe I'll just stick with my Vegemite because <laughs> I love Vegemite, but it has to be mixed with something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right, it's well, almost anyway. like um, uh, my dog. Well, I used to have a dog when I was younger, and uh, when our dog was sick, we, you know, the doctor would give him pills to take, right? And mm-hmm. dogs hate to take pills, so what you try to do is try to hide them in like a hot dog or something. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, butter it, or but... something like that. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, when I mean, the dog I, get wise and dig it out. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We have them in in uh, in the states, but we have um, for thickening your gravy, we have things called Oxo cubes, sort of um, dry compressed. You know, basically gra- gravy dried out into a compressed cube. That's wrapped in tin foil so that that you can keep them for months. Oh, and then like when you want bouillon. to think, yeah, like a bouillon. Yeah, so yeah. when you yeah. yeah, yeah, so when you want to think, you now some people like those so much they'll drink it like a cup of tea. You know, they'll dissolve one in a cup of water mm-hmm. uh, and drink it like a hot soup because they like it too yeah. much. it's like bouillon, bouillon cubes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it made right, me well. enjoy my Reuben sandwich more day uh, special today. <laughs> where I'm here and there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and that was our uh, um, gourmet segment of the <laughs> Talking Twilight Zone. <laughs> of our gourmet segment. Um, now, do, you, do you want a wine suggestion to go with that? Oh uh, yes, of course. <laughs> a nice red would be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a wine something quite powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have three ones and a three, and uh, uh, bear fan. What is your rating? Not rated well, he'd get it in there. Unfortunately, this is drag back up with Caesar and me. Unfortunately. I know. I know. Yeah. You think they would have learned their lesson after this one? Yeah, you would have thought. And uh, then two weeks from now. Ron, give it a one. Where? where? I didn't see that. Yep. Oh yes, Ron. Gives it a one. Okay, so we got four ones and a three, which is cool. Because I don't, I like a little bit of variation. All right, so two weeks from now, we are going to be discussing uh, Young Man's Fancy. Mm. Interesting episode. A little, little uh, strange. Uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, had very mixed reactions on that episode. Very mixed. And you want uh, to bring Rod back to announce it for us? Yes, please, please, Rod. Would you please do us that favor? Rod Serling, creator of The Twilight Zone, will tell you about next week's story after this message. And now, Mr. Serling. Next week, through the good offices of Mr. Richard Matheson, we tell you a story of a young man's fancy, which is kind of a euphemistic description of a mortal combat between the living and the dead, between the present and the past, between Miss Phyllis Thaxter and Mr. Alex Nicole. The battleground is this old house, and its front door will be open to you next week. On the Twilight Zone. Right between Tinum and Boredom. I, I think it's <clears throat> wonderful how Rod always shows up for our, for our episodes here. R- Rod always makes it. You know, I'm just amazed that he always shows up for our, for our shows. It's mysterious. He's Why a wonderful it? man. He's a wonderful man. <laughs> so that I miss be... you in season four, Rod. Where are you? <laughs> yes, we do. We do. All right. That's going to be two weeks from now on April 20th. I believe it is, Saturday, April 20th, at the same time. And we'll be talking about Young Man's Fancy. And that should be pretty fun because there are, like, as I said, uh, it's kind of all over the board, varying varying uh, degrees of feelings about that one. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll see everyone hopefully here in two weeks. Uh, Dave and Ron and Robert and Bobby and I will hopefully all be here. And we're uh, no, I'll be absent. I'll oh, no, no, too. Dave, Dave Remember? that's right. Yep. Dad, yeah, Dave's not going to be here. Oh, we'll miss you, Dave. <clears throat> but uh, then you'll be back for the next one, I hope. 
and have a good time at your party. Please Thank drink you. drink a couple of glasses of wine for me. And give the lucky good. couple our um, congratulations our on the congratulations. All of us yep. give our congratulations. Drink a couple of glasses. Drink a couple of glasses of wine for all of us. Oh yeah, I can see that going down. I'll toast. I'll stand at the table and say, uh, "I want to 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 toast to their forty years of marriage and now welcome to the twilight zone." Just be sure you don't trip and fall into the bowl there, Dave. (laughs) Well, I think you should drink a glass of wine for every year they've been married. So you have a wonderful time. You've got another 40 years to go. That's the punishment. (laughs) (laughs) You drink a glass of wine for every year they've been married. So you have have a wonderful time. (laughs) All right. Oh, yes, Word Forge, I do hope you make it for the next episode. Um, And those uh, that link that Dave gave you, for the support, really, they are excellent. Um, uh, we use them, and we probably would have been a lot worse off if we hadn't gone to those support groups. Um, they tell you how to do everything from from A to Z. You know how to log in, how to how to join the chat, how to call in, everything. So, um, and they're they're great people, and I really uh, hope that you'll. Uh, show up for one of those, and we'd love to see you here again for our shows. Okay, so thanks for joining yeah. us today. And you can take all oh, the trainings yeah. there. There's a link to if you want to sign up for free training. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, there you oh, go. Before we go, we want to also welcome someone to the board, our new fellow reviewer, George. Um, he listens to the show. So um, welcome, George. Yes, he does. Um, I don't think he's I, – I would love for him to join us, but he. I don't think he's going to do it because we asked him once before, and he says, nope, 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 he doesn't. <laughs> I don't know why. Some people are just very shy about getting on the shows and talking, you know. He said, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> he said, thanks, I appreciate you. This is a while back. We asked him to join a while back, and he said, we appreciate – or he said, I appreciate it, um, but uh, – he said, no, nah, I don't do that kind of thing. I don't go on the radio shows, stuff like that. I don't. And I think he said, even when he um, posted uh, on the board, he said, I'm very shy. He's He won't do it. I'll ask him again. I'll ask him again, but I would love to, uh, to have him on. But I'll ask again. Uh, yes, we do. We do have a website. Um, Robert, can you possibly post a link to our, our website? Because sometimes when I do that, I get kicked off here. Are you able to do okay. it? To, uh, I would uh, have to go to the site, and I will have to type it manually. Yeah. I'm not and the right person. The only reason I is it's because, we, and remember, our, our thing is uh, reviewed is misspelled. So. Yep. We are at the yeah, Yahoo the group. It's a long one. Yeah, it is. I, I If... if um, Robert can get to it. He will post it. It's pretty long, so um, it should be in your show description, really, on your talk show page. You know, we really should yep, do that. That's right. In the beginning, yeah. Are you able yeah, to get go to it? go to the site here on Talk Show, And as Dave said, it should be listed. Um, I think right under where the picture is and everything. I think it's where it should be listed. Yeah, it's a, a it's a Yahoo. It's a Yahoo group. Yep. I'm scared of Bobby. Ron said he's scared of Bobby. Ron said he's scared of you, Bobby. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> um, it's a Yahoo discussion group for it. Called the Twilight Zone Visited and Revisited. Revisited. Okay. Revisited and Reviewed. Yeah. Now it's spelled Ryu, it's spelled R E B I E D just because we're wacky and it's I did that deliberately to get attention. Yeah, uh, he, I he, he <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Am I doing this right here? Hold on. There we go. W dot um Is it would it be www dot the twilight zone yep. revisit? Okay, the yep. Twilight Zone. Isn't there a dash between every word? I'll put oh, it in there. now. Yeah, hey, uh, I think this is it. Hang on a second. Oh, 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 good. Oh, Dave, I'm... yes, if you get it. Yay! Woo, he's got it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Dave. All right, Wherefore, you got it now. 
And when you go on the site, you see the scary color picture of the dummy. Of the dummy. <laughs> oh, I thought you say puppy then. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I you he has bushy with... eyebrows. Oh, I don't think. Andy Rooney. That's the dummy of Andy Rooney. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when you were younger and you saw these books on the shelf and you wondered why the red one was next to the green? I kind of wondered why it was smaller than the rest of the books on your shelf. I kind of wondered that myself when I was younger and taking him. I kind of miss him. I really do. I miss Andy. I do, too. He was awesome. Him Uh, and the one on the radio. Who was the one who said the rest of the story? That's the rest of the story. Uh, story. Paul, uh, what's his name? Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey. Yep. That's the rest the story. <laughs> oh, well. All right, folks. Let's get going here. Um, all right. Paul Harvey. Exactly. Um, Ron knew him. Okay, so uh, two weeks from now, Young Man's Fancy and Workforge. I do hope that you'll join our group. It's a lot of fun and I uh, hope you see you again. And I will see everyone. Well, I'll see everyone in two weeks except for Dave. We'll see him in four weeks. All right, so have a great weekend, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye, everybody. Hey, Jim. Sorry, you must have me mistaken with someone else. That's that's weird, because you look really familiar to me, Mr. Bemis. Henry Bemis. You work here, Mr. Bemis? You're a librarian? That's right. Henry. Honey. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Hi. 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 Here is... I'm his wife, Sophie. Married. Well, congratulations, Henry. These friends of yours? No, uh, they're just leaving. Actually, no, we kind of love this town. Uh... I could see us staying here for quite a while. Traveling salesman. I hear him out. you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.